Remember the good old days before Microsoft Word had autosave? You'd type up some important document and then your computer would freeze and you'd lose hours of work just because you forgot to hit save? Well, that's what it's like going online without ExpressVPN. Every time you're connected to an unencrypted network, whether it's in an airport, a hotel, a cafe, or anywhere, your online data is not secure. Any person on that same network who knows what they're doing can gain access to your personal data. Bank logins, credit card details, passwords, all the stuff you don't want people seeing. Unfortunately, hacking has become much easier than it used to be. People don't even have to be exceptionally skilled to do it, and there's a lot of money to be made by selling your information on the dark web. ExpressVPN stops hackers from stealing your data by creating a secure, encrypted tunnel between your device and the internet. It's incredibly easy to use. Once the app is running, you literally click one button to get protected. And it works on your phone, laptop, tablet, and more, so you can stay protected on the go. I've been using ExpressVPN for a little while now, and I can rest easy knowing my info is safe and secure. I've heard horror stories of people who've been hacked, and it sounds like a massive pain to try to get any resolution in the aftermath, so I am not interested in finding out what that process is like. Secure your online data today by visiting expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash slashfilm, and you can get an extra three months free. expressvpn.com slash slashfilm. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Friday, April 1st, 2022. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editorial Director Peter Soretta, and joining me on today's podcast is Slash Film News Writer Ryan Scott. Happy Friday, everyone. We made it. Yeah. Not only is it Friday, but it's April Fool's Day, which I, I hate every year because it's the day every year that uh, reputable news sites think it's funny to post fake news. <laughs> uh, yeah. It, it's I, hilarious, well, Ryan, that like, you know, this news story I thought was a real news story and went to write up and then, you know, realized that it was, and it wasn't, it, there was nothing about this news story that like seemed funny or seemed ridiculous. Ended yeah, up that's, being a joke. That's, that's the issue is that a lot of places that it, it's, it's become this thing where, because I even was just gathering, you know, I do superhero bits for us every day and I was gathering some stuff and Twitter is a good source for that. But there was, of course, like some erroneous tweets <laughs> going around that like at first glance were like, oh, that seems like it. And then it was like, oh, right. It's April Fool's Day. God damn it. And like like there was one where someone very convincingly screenshotted something from Disney Plus and it looked like. Under the banner, it was like Falcon and Winter Soldier season two coming soon. And it wasn't even like funny. It was like, oh, that would actually be like a weird sort of that seems reasonable enough that they might accidentally reveal that in that way. But then like I just it, but then I was like, oh, right, of course. So I don't know. Stuff like that is very frustrating. Hey, I have no problem. when Like if you do an actual good April Fool's Day joke, that's funny. I Like uh, Brad in our Slack pointed out that on Peacock. I think there's like they've changed the entire like page into Nicolas Cage movies or something like that. Um, so that's kind of funny. Yeah, I, like, when people do something like that, it's funny. When people just, you know, create fake news that could actually be real, I don't understand. Yeah, no, that the Peacock thing was great. Like, that's a perfect example of like, this is clearly a joke. This is clearly funny. <laughs> Yeah. Like, you know, I don't know. Uh, yeah, like that stuff's fine. But when you're trying to cover news and your brain is not immediately geared toward like everything's a joke today, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, I don't know. It's 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 a little. 
I, I used to not mind April Fool's Day, but then like for the past like seven or eight years since I've been doing this job, it's really not a fun thing. Yeah, um, I mean, we used to do it on Slash Home, and, but my 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 bar for it was always the 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 story has to be a little bit ridiculous, but maybe believable. And then when you start reading it, every sentence it gets progressively more ridiculous. And uh, yeah, so how now? It has to be obvious in my in my opinion. It has to at one point be obvious that it's a joke. And yeah, like, yeah, and yeah. and. Like I said, the problem with a lot of with a lot of sites is it's it's completely designed to get clicks because they're they're doing stuff that, you know, people like I remember it was funny before, <laughs> like before Spider-Man came into the MCU, there were like a couple of years in a row where like some site made a joke about like, oh, Disney gets Spider-Man rights back or something. And then like eventually that became an yeah. actual headline, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. Things become of actual headlines. I think like 12 or 13 years ago, I did an April Fool's Day story that they were making a, a Matrix sequel and it was going to be called The Matrix Resurrections. That ended up becoming true. Wait, are you serious? You actually yeah. did that? Wow, yeah. you got the title right? Yeah, I got the title right. Although the the story is super ridiculous, it was like uh, the actor was gonna be uh, doing the character completely with motion capture. It, it became like super but ridiculous. That's crazy! And, you got yeah. the title right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like that's like, the crazy thing, man. That is that's actually the kind of amazing. Yeah, it was funny when um when we wrote up the title when it was announced. Uh, I forget who it was, Brad or Ben. Actually, like when they did the Google search and was whatever, they're like. I came up with a story that you predicted this 12 years ago. So it was kind of funny. Okay. Anyways, uh, let's talk about the April Fool's Day joke of today. And that is the the movie release of Morbius. Which... Uh... <laughs> I mean, that's not a real thing, right, Ryan? Well, look, and here's the thing. Like I said, I've mentioned this many, many times. I don't relish being negative and I don't take any opportunity to be needlessly mean. Um, And I'm not going to do that here, but I have seen Morbius and it is quite simply not good. (laughs) Yeah, um, I thought uh, because we're going to talk about Morbius in a second, since you've seen it and, uh, you know, we don't want to spoil it for anybody because I I bet you most people have not gone to the theater last night to see this. thing. (laughs) Um, Can you expand upon your thoughts? Well, I'll tell you the saddest thing, first off, is that I just ended my COVID isolation yesterday. Like, my doctor gave me the go-ahead. And so the first, like, get-out-of-the-house thing I did was go see Morbius, when there are, like, four other good movies that I want to see that I didn't go see yet. Um, yeah, so, like, that, but, but you know, Duty Calls, and uh, it's the big superhero movie of the week, and it's very helpful in this line of work to have seen those things, and... Um, yeah, I mean, look, it's. It, I think the thing is, is like a lot of critics are sort of treating it like it's the worst superhero movie ever made, and and uh, it most definitely is not. Um, but it is, it is not good. Like it's just very like it does very little to sort of justify its its existence. For me, the egregious stuff comes in in the post credit scenes. Like that's where the like really like egregious stuff comes in. Okay, maybe maybe we'll talk about that in spoilers next week. The question I have for you, if you can dance around this in spoiler freeness, is I think a lot of people, a lot of Marvel fans are probably tempted to go see this movie 
because they've been kind of teasing that Morpheus, uh, Morbius is in the um, the MCU. Like there's some connections to Spider-Man or whatever. If you are tantalized by that, like is, is that something I should go see? Do you know what I mean? Like, is that, is there a payoff? Um, boy, payoff is a complicated word. Um, <laughs> well, so, so I'll say this, the movie itself it is very much, it, it pretty much exists on an Island. Um, it, it, uh, okay. It, um, again, I don't want to spoil. I mean, it's not really like direct spoilers, but like I did just write a whole thing for us that, the one thing I will say is, and let's be clear, the first trailer for this movie came out over two years ago. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> a lot of stuff from the trailers did not make it into the movie. So I'll leave it at that. But it's very clear that the movie has been reworked a lot um, <laughs> for reasons I don't really know. Yeah. But um, but yeah, that's, uh, uh, you know, like as is often the case with superhero stuff, the credit scenes sort of exist to tee up balls for potential future things. Um, That's where there might be some interesting discussion to be had for MCU fans, I guess. But um, yeah, I mean, more, it really is just like an inoffensively bad movie. That's sort of just, it's, it's, it's just, it's not, it's, it's not, I I have a hard time imagining anyone's going to walk out of it being like, Oh man, that was what I've been waiting for. I don't know. Yeah. Well, uh, you are the box office guy, so how is this going to do at the box office this weekend? Uh, I mean, it started pretty okay. It made a little over five million in in previews. Um, but I do think, and we talked about this a bit ago with like the Batman, where the big key is it's not even really the first weekend; it's the second weekend. Uh, yeah. What you saw with Spider Man No Way Home was that it held incredibly well week to week, um, and that's where you get those big numbers. Uh, I think Morbius, there's going to be a lot of curiosity out of the gate. I imagine word of mouth is not going to be good on this one. So I feel like you might get a pretty robust 50-ish million dollar opening weekend, but your drop like from week one to week two is going to be rough. So, you know, what it manages to do overseas is going to be key. Uh, (laughs) Although I do, although I do think though, between the critical response and there and like, there's no way this makes, you know, the 800 million that Venom made. Um, I wonder what this does for Sony's plans truthfully, but uh, yeah, I don't know. It, it, uh, again, I think, you know, this weekend it'll predictably make decent money. I think next weekend is where we'll be like, all right, how bad is it? So you're saying this weekend, 40 or 50 million. If yeah. You I'm... Did, if you did that in a traditional three times multiplier, that would be like, 130 to 150 million dollar which would know. be fine for domestic but there's no way it gets there because again i think the drop is going to be dramatic yeah you know well, if it did get to 130 would that be a success it de- it depends because I, I the I, I haven't looked into this too much but uh the budget figure i saw cited for this was only 75 million now that seems low to me but if they really only did make it for 70 now granted you have a lot of costs that are incurred by delaying it for so long yeah. But I mean, you know, if they if the if the initial production budget really was only seventy five million, I mean, you know, suddenly you're looking at a much different ball game. But I have a hard time believing that's the case. Yeah, people don't realize that like when you delay a movie, you're basically paying the the marketing budget almost like 
probably a 1.75 times what, the, or, what or it was. It depends. Yeah. And then also, like, there's just costs incurred of, like, you end up paying certain crew members longer to sort of be, you know, yeah. like, because, and, like, in this case, like, editors were paid more money to re-edit. You know what I mean? Like, things yeah. are, and, yeah, there's a lot of waste in, like, posters and, and you know, there's a lot of stuff. And, <laughs> you know, it, it so it, it'll be interesting. I uh, I don't know. I, I, do, I, I do think that it's not going to get to a number that encourages Sony to go, this is the way forward. Um, so I do at least think that they might have to reconsider some things. I don't know. I don't, I don't think you can predict what Tom Rothman thinks. right? <laughs> but... Well, but I think the difference is like, and I will say I'm not Venom's number one fan or anything, but Venom, I at least I'll walk out of theater. I'm like, well, that was wacky. And there's something to hang your hat on there. This is again, just so up the middle bad that there isn't even anything to sort of like grip onto, you know? Um, so, so I think that like, fine, if you want to make like an offbeat movie, so be it. But this kind of doesn't even really fall into that same box. Yeah. Okay. Let's go from the Marvel verse over to the star Wars galaxy and talk about Obi-Wan Kenobi, which it was revealed. Uh, was it yesterday? I think it was yesterday. It was point, yesterday. Yeah. That Obi-Wan <laughs> Kenobi's first two episodes will premiere later than we thought. Uh, so they were originally going to premiere, or at least the first episode was originally going to premiere on May 25th. And that is, uh, well, that isn't Star Wars Day, which is May the 4th. That is Star Wars Day in the fact that, uh, you know, that's when Star Wars premiered. Yeah. yeah. Um, instead, the show is going to premiere two days later on Friday, May 27th. And uh, while normally this wouldn't be big news to talk about because like, oh, it's pushed two days does that really matter in the grand scheme of things? I think it's w worth noting about or worth just worth discussing because Star Wars Celebration takes place on Thursday, May 26th through Sunday, May 29th. So originally yep. they had it planned to premiere the day before Celebration begins, which gives everybody who's going to go to this convention in Anaheim the time to watch it and then it's going to be the discussion throughout the convention and everybody can like you know talk about the new star wars that they saw and have fun with it uh but now it's going to premiere you know <laughs> right in the middle of celebration yeah right in the middle uh which i don't imagine like there's going to be people at celebration in their hotel rooms at midnight tuning into disney plus to watch you know two hours of in this case i think there will be actually you think so? You see, what I think is going to happen is that I think Star Wars Celebration is going to have a panel probably on Thursday that is going to premiere the first two episodes. Well, that's what I was going to say is that's probably yeah. what's going to happen. But if you've ever been to these gigantic conventions, not everyone gets into those panels. Yeah. Yeah. So so there's going to be a lot of people left out in the cold. And, and, and I've even seen some journalists, you know, that are going – that are like, okay, so cool. So now I have to watch this in my hotel. Like they're bitching yeah. about, and it's yeah. true. It, it, but, but I do believe, I believe you're right. I believe that. And I have a whole theory as to why that is, but like, but I think that, yeah, that's going to be the big thing. Opening night at celebration. will be. Oh, well, yeah, I want to, that, that's what I want to say. Like, this isn't even the discussion of this. Is not even because of this is like, Oh, whoa, me on that celebration. And I'm going to have to cover this no, thing no, or watch this thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, the thing here to me that's interesting is they they knew about Star Wars Celebration when they made this date. 
they knew uh, like well there's nothing on disney plus to like move it from a wednesday to a friday like there's not like moon Knight's not going to be on that wednesday and even if it like, was isn't miss marvel going to overlap with it though I think it's later. I don't think it, it premieres before uh, on uh, in May. I think it, it premieres in April, I believe. But either well, whatever either, the case, but, but either way, like that would have been scheduled ahead of time. Do you know what I mean? Like they, they would have yeah. known that. So like, yeah, yeah. Why at this late hour do you change this? And my only assumption is maybe we don't have the big announcements that people are going to want for star Wars, star Wars celebration. And we need to have a big panel with something big, you know, I fully, I fully think it's something like that. Um, but my specific suspicion is that we're getting like no movie news, mm. uh, which would bum me out uh, a lot, you know, because like, I like these star Wars shows and stuff, but, there's still a big part of me that wanted an Obi-Wan Kenobi movie, not an Obi-Wan Kenobi show. And Star Wars, you know, Star Wars Rebels is some of my favorite Star Wars of all time, but Star Wars never feels more like Star Wars to me than when I'm in a theater about to watch Star Wars. You know, like Star Wars still is by its nature cinematic. So as much as I like like that we have the shows right now and it's something different, I'm looking forward to a return to movies again. But I yeah. think the problem is they don't know what they're i my my and i don't have any insider information my guess is if you read the tea leaves they really don't know what they want to do with the movies in the future and the actual success of the shows has complicated that even further yeah and it, it's also been a problem that they've announced a bunch of stuff that ended up not happening or and that that stack is piling up let's like i mean <laughs> you know I, I don't mean to sound doomsayer but i mean if you start to now look at the amount of like directors and and movie projects either rumored or straight up confirmed that have like kind of come and gone it, it's kind of a damningly large pile at this point yeah i will say that i i don't think that this is going to be the panel at star wars celebration i think they always have one a panel on saturday which is like the big panel and i think right i think we're going to see some footage from mandalorian season three because they already just they just wrapped of that course, of course we'll uh, probably we'll see some ahsoka stuff We'll uh, probably get like Andor, a, because that's been done forever, right? If there isn't even like they might even have like a like a backdoor premiere for that show or something like that's been ready for a while. Um, yeah. But again, I think it's going to be very TV heavy. Yeah, I wonder if they're going to have any movie news. Like I like I, I feel my my big prediction is that Lindelof is going to come out and confirm right, and then you confirm he's working on something, but you don't really get any definition of what it is. Yeah. Maybe you have Taiko Atiti come out and show like a sizzle reel. Like he hasn't shot anything. No, right? like even he's, a sizzle. You might even be able. Maybe you get a title or something. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. We'll have to see. Because the only ones you really have that could, like, the only ones that are still together, because because Rogue Squadron got delayed essentially indefinitely, um, which was supposed to be the 2023 movie. Um, and you, so you have Taika Waititi's who's been in the development officially the longest, but we've had no updates and he's one of the busiest guys in Hollywood. Um, and then you have the Kevin Feige produced movie, which is very loose and ethereal. Um, mm -hmm. And then you have, yeah, like the rumored Damon Lindelof movie, but everything else has been shelved. So, Oh, there's also that, um, I forget the name of it, but it was on like the, the crew guest for last year is like this supposedly like this, uh, adventure with some kids during the high republic days 
supposedly, um, but yeah, that's but that's really kind of like again, is that an anywhere near place where you can announce anything? I mean, it was the logo was on the crew guests for. 2021 so i guess that's the only thing i will say is they they really still are going in hard on the high republic stuff yeah so i wouldn't be surprised if we get more like sort of overall like tying into the high republic with other projects that would be the one thing i wouldn't be surprised like the acolyte is obviously gonna tie into high republic and stuff so maybe maybe if there's a maybe that wouldn't be the most surprising thing in the world like a like any any one of these movies in development being like a straight up high republic movie that wouldn't surprise me yeah um okay the other big news around obi-wan kenobi is yesterday the writers guild of america like on their website had the listing of the credited writers for five episodes of obi-wan even though there's only there's six so uh we're not sure if like the first episode is like a double episode and those people are credit or whatnot. But like the big news here is that Andrew Stanton, who you might know from Pixar, he did uh, Finding Nemo, Finding Dory. He did Wall-E. He did uh, John Carter. He has since done some TV, like including Stranger Things and some live action stuff. Um, he is a credited writer for the fifth episode. So it's either the fifth or sixth episode. We're not. It's very unclear. Uh, which, when I read, I was like, "Oh my god, does this mean he directed one of the episodes?" But then I remembered that you uh, mentioned that Deborah Chow directed all six episodes. Which yeah, that's she, been she, known for a while that yeah. she like directed the whole thing. Like she, which again sort of leads me to the whole it's a six hour movie thing. But yeah, oh no, it totally is. I, yeah. And especially with this being probably something that you can't sequelize, it can't be a season two. This it seems like it's a mini series. It's going to be like a six hour movie. It's a hundred percent a six hour movie, which on yeah. one hand drives me nuts and whatever. But <laughs> hey, you get more of it, Ryan. And, and you probably no, you don't want more. I okay. don't want more of it most of the time. Like I want concise storytelling. Like if you're going to make a six hour show make use of the format don't stretch it to six hours just because you can see i feel like you and me are usually on the same page with like 90 percent of things but tv is not one of them ryan because i, I, I feel like it. i would rather like luxuriate in like a season-long story than... cool justify it if you can my problem is like even like the moon Knight premiere <laughs> this week it just felt like it didn't. It was not a natural episode break. It was literally here's the first quarter of our movie, and we're just breaking it up into an episode because it's TV and yeah. that's what we do. That's my issue. Is like fine if you're gonna do it. Like the Mandalorian, I love because it makes use of the TV format, you know, very well. Like it's it is still very episodic with through lines, whereas like a lot of stuff isn't. Sorry, th- I got off on a tangent. I didn't mean to do that. <laughs> okay well Andrew Stanton he's co-writing this episode five or episode six depending on how we read yeah. this uh this thing interesting a big uh, self-professed Star Wars fan he obviously you know was inspired by Star Wars for John Carter I mean John Carter inspired Star Wars and he was inspired by Star Wars making John Carter but also Wall-E you know Ben Burt who did the sound design for the Star Wars movies he is the voice of r2d2 is the one that provided the voice of wally so this is cool that interesting is co-writing one of these episodes like how do you feel about that uh i i you you felt pretty strongly about it yesterday uh i i 
and I'm like, hey, I'm happy. I'm happy anytime something makes somebody happy. Uh, I, I, like, for me, I'm like, okay, sure, that's great. He's very qualified, great. But I, I what good, good filmography, good, sure, great, fine, a perfect, perfectly good guy to write a script for that show, great. I feel like there's two ways. Well, there's three ways you could feel about this. You could feel the way Ryan feels about it. You could feel all excited because this guy, like who, and I think he is a a brilliant talent in the world of filmmaking, and he's been you know relegated to animation for so long, and now he's in in live action. It's cool to to see what he's gonna be able to do, even as a co-writer of an episode of Star Wars TV. So I could take that angle but ryan there's also a third angle why is interesting given a co-writer credit for one of the final episodes of this series and, and i asked that question in in the fact that like maybe he was brought in because it wasn't working and he's good at emotion and they needed someone to to close it you know okay, what I mean? But but if they but if that's the case, yeah, then good on them for bringing in someone to get it right. Yeah. yeah. Like we'll see how it turns out. But like if that you know like you know for all of the hullabaloo about Rogue One's reshoots and stuff, Rogue One is great, and yeah. you know so so be it. Like it, it it's better to recognize a problem and fix the problem than it is to let it linger. Um. So sure, great. Uh. I still got like I still have the same emotion about it where I'm like I see I see what you're getting at. Yeah, yeah. But like but I but like ultimately if that did happen then okay so you brought in a guy that like has a very specific set of skills to fix this specific problem. Cool. Like that's filmmaking. <laughs> you know, like that's Yeah, yeah. So so again like for me that still falls into like great. Cool, great. Let's see what it is. Okay, lastly we have one story I wanted to talk about today. This one's a uh this one's a sad one. Uh, Bruce Willis is retiring from acting. He had a diagnosis of aphasia, I think is what it is. Yeah. And um, this was announced by his daughter. Uh, she said to Bruce's amazing supporters as a family, we wanted to share that our beloved Bruce has been experiencing some health issues and has recently been, been diagnosed with aphasia, which is impacting his cognitive cognitive abilities as a result of this with much consideration bruce is stepping away from the career that has meant so much to him this is a really challenging time for our family i'm not going to read this whole thing you can read it on slash home.com i'll link it in the yeah, show notes yeah, yeah. uh but uh, this said i mean bruce willis uh, how do you feel about bruce willis and his uh act, his film career i just honestly hope he can get some peace he can get yeah. some time to enjoy good years he has left and that on some level he knows how much joy he brought. Like, I'm going to start crying talking about it, but like I didn't it. I processed the last bit of his career so differently the other day when this news came out and like the realization that he is in two of my five favorite movies of all time. And like, you know, he's in what I think is like the best original sci-fi movie of the last decade. Um, you know, like in Looper and, and, you know, and sort of like not looking at this last stage of his career, like a lot of people did, but instead I'm like, ah, just come on, Bruce. I know you got another good one in you. Let's, let's do it. You know, like I was just more like rooting for him to, to get us another Looper and, and, you know, to find out why he's been doing what he's been doing. Um, 
you know, it just, it just, but it was a true, true bummer. And, uh, and, but really it just, it just made me realize how much I loved his work, like truly, truly deeply. And like the, the, the never really processing the range the guy had because you just oh, yeah. don't think of him that way, but what, just what an absolutely amazing career. And it's been nice to see like the complete lack of cynicism um, since this news came out, because again, everyone sort of immediately had to reprocess the last, you know, maybe seven, eight years of his career. And you know, that what that understanding did for like the outpouring for this guy, I don't know. It's uh again, I just hope he gets some semblance of peace and, I, you know, I, I really do love him and, it, and it's a bummer that it's got to go this way. I, uh, yeah. yeah, as a guy who, I mean, I talk about it as a guy who like loves popcorn movies. Are you fucking kidding me? It's Bruce Willis. This <laughs> is, you know, this is, he is in the, he is the action movie of all time in Die Hard. He, I mean, Pulp Fiction, one of the best line readings of all time with like Zed's dead baby, you <laughs> yeah. know, like that's, I mean, I, you know, I, I could go on. Um, but yeah, I mean, and by the way, you look at Die Hard and, I don't, I can't imagine another actor playing. There is no, it, it, that, no, there's, there's, I I will. Yeah, you're right. He, he made that, like his performance in that, like you, you watch things like you, um, you play the uncharted video games. I feel like that is partially Bruce Willis and Die Hard. They're trying to like, uh, capture that kind of, um, that kind of attitude and that kind of, I don't know. I, I don't think anybody but him can do it, but you mentioned, you know, in recent years, he's, He's appeared in 22 movies over the last four years, and yeah. all, a lot of these movies have been bad movies. The Razzies kind of made a category out of him and mocked and him. It, he's been shooting like you know he shoots for like maybe two days on these movies. Yeah, um, the like I I don't know. It, I feel so bad because I had, I have a lot of friends in Hollywood. This isn't me like you know dropping names or whatever, but like I had talked to filmmakers who were like I don't want to work with Bruce because I hear. You know, if you work with him, he has like an earpiece in and there's like a, a, someone off stage reading his lines for him to like say into the earpiece. Yeah. Like, and it seemed like so lazy. Like, I don't know. I had all these thoughts about him. Yeah. And now now I know the true story and it's it's so sad. And, it's, but it, it just recontextualizes all of that. But it also makes me wonder, like, why? Why did he do these 22 movies over those last four years? And I know the LA Times had this article, which I'll link in the show notes, and they don't, they don't spell it out. They don't, and I can't spell it out here because uh, whatever. But you, you can read the thing. I'll, I'll read some. Reading so, between the lines, it seems like part of it was he wanted to maximize some financial security for yeah. his family, but then the other part of it is, is sort of like what happened with Stan Lee toward those last years is that. It might have just been some handlers sort of like pushing him to yeah. do these things. Yeah, we don't know that. That's not we don't what we're know that, but yet. that sort of seems yeah. to maybe be a possibility. Yeah. Uh, so in the interviews with the LA Times, they conducted nearly two dozen interviews with people on set. Uh, the actor expressed a c- concern with Willis's well-being. These individuals questioned whether the actor was fully aware of his surroundings on set, and uh, he was often paid two million dollars for two days of work. Uh, filmmakers described heart-wrenching scenes as the beloved part of Pulp Fiction star grappled with his loss of mental acuity and ability to remember his dialogue. An actor who traveled with Willis would feed the star his lines through an earpiece yep. known in the industry as an earwig, according to several sources. Uh, most action scenes, particularly those involved choreographed gunfire, were filmed using a body double. 
Uh, he appeared in 22 movies over the last four years. Uh, Mike Burns, the director of Out of Death, he directed, I think, two of the films that Will did in the last four years. Um, he was tasked at, in, on Out of Death, he was tasked at the last minute. You know, Bruce Willis is here. Can you compress all of Willis's scenes, about 25 pages of dialogue, into one day of filming? Yeah. Um, there's, you know, there's there's people that could be thought to benefit from this. I mean, obviously, uh, Bruce, you know, making $2 million a movie, his family making money off that. There's, But there's also, uh, he has an assistant turned handler, Stephen Yads, who... Uh, Basically, would escort him around and uh, used to be his assistant, but now like, is the producer on most of the films. And uh, unlike those movie pass films that he was involved with, got like $200,000 a film for his role in, you know, being Bruce's handler. So I don't know. I don't know what's going on here. You know, yeah. it, it's hard to point fingers and say, like, this is what's going on because we don't know. But like, if read this LA Times article. Uh, not only is it sad that Bruce is retiring from acting and what happened the last four years, but like, I, I think the story isn't over and we're going to learn more about why. Yeah, and- yeah, yeah, yeah. But again, I think the main thing is that like the 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 we no longer have to look at that period of those movies as like like a like a sad you know, like, like pathetic cash grab. It's more of like, a, you know, it's not what it, what we thought it was. And so we now get to sort of look at his career with nothing but fondness. You know what I mean? Like it, like it's, it's, it's a little bit like we lose as fans, we no longer have to like have that like dangling, like, Oh, that sucks. You know, it's like, it does suck, but it sucks in a way that like almost makes like it, you, you get to still admire him. And you still get to like admire the guy because like he, he wasn't doing this for like, for like, you know, cheapskate shitty reasons, um, yeah. which is what a lot of us sort of thought. And so, you know, you do just get to think about the the movie star and the guy you love and the guy from all of those great movies. And, you know, the guy who is John McClane, but is also, you know, the guy from the sixth sense and, and the guy from unbreakable and the guy and the guy from, you know, Pulp Fiction and the guy from Armageddon for me, like, which again, I'm writing about for Tales from the Box Office this weekend because to honor Bruce Willis. Like, I don't yeah. know. I just, God, I, I love him so much. And it just, you know, eh, sucks we don't get one more out of him, but yeah, wh- what a career. What By the way, he had, he had like 50 films before that. So yeah, since like the 70s, 50 films over the course of, you know, what, almost 50 years. And then he did 22 four years yeah. that's insane it is that insane is... but like though of those 50 like think about like like again armageddon the highest grossing yeah. movie of 1998 you know 10 years removed from die hard you know getting to be harry stamper and i don't care what anyone says that end of that movie when he pushes aj into the you know and it goes and and stays on the asteroid like that's like that's that's one of those movie moments where men cry you know like that is such a good you know, oh, yeah. and, and in a ridiculous, in an utterly ridiculous movie, you know, only a guy like Bruce Willis makes that work. And yeah, I don't know. Uh, do you have a favorite Bruce Willis movie just as we're trying to wrap this up? I mean, it has to be Die Hard, but I, I think also. I guess aside from Die Hard, because like that's the clear. Yeah, I mean, I like his work in the M. Night Shyamalan movies. 
so Unbreakable and Sixth Sense. I think he did some fantastic work. Um, I mean, I also like Armageddon. I know Armageddon gets a lot of crap, but I, oh, I really, yeah. yeah. I don't know. Um, you know, I even like him in the, like, I have a, I have a spot in my heart for like Hudson Hawk and I the like last Boy Scott. Yeah. So, yeah. um, and as a kid, I used to love Look Who's Talking, which I'm sure I've, I've not seen <laughs> in many years. So yeah, it's probably, it's probably would not, I would probably not enjoy it today, but probably not. Yeah. You know, what you, you know what you would enjoy is Looper. And again, I've said this before, oh, yeah. but uh, the one thing I will say when you watch Looper, please, you know, maybe go watch it to honor the man. But but what I love about that movie is Ryan Johnson, because he has Bruce Willis in that movie, is there's a point in the movie in the third act where a very real solution to the biggest to the movie's biggest problem is just have Bruce Willis kill everyone. And that only works because you have Bruce Willis in your movie. And I love that so much because if you really watch that movie and critically think yeah. that there isn't like a brilliant answer, it's just ask ah, screw it. We'll just have Bruce kill everyone. And it works. It's great. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, that does it for today's episode. You can find more of all of our work at slash You can find this podcast on Apple, Google, Overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send us your feedback questions, comments, concerns to us at Peter at Celestum.com. And please rate and review this podcast and Apple Podcasts. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we'll see you on Monday.